Matthew 13, verse 24, another parable. Put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend them which do iniquity. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. If the Lord will help me this morning, I'll just expound these verses. It won't be new, but I pray it will be fresh on the subject of the wheat and the tares. The early portion of Matthew chapter number 13, you see something a little unusual. I'll give you a little bit of doctrinal background. As you get into this chapter, you see and you understand this morning that Matthew was written by a Jew, two Jews, about a Jew. And as you understand that, you realize that we don't ordinarily go to the book of Matthew for church doctrine. You go to the Pauline epistles, beginning from Romans and to Hebrews, to get church doctrine. And the church was a mystery to these Jews but right in the midst of this, in the book of Matthew, the Lord Jesus begins to speak in parables. And a parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And it takes spirit revelation to be able to understand what a parable is saying. And the Lord Jesus, right in the midst of this, in front of the Jews and to his disciples, begins to explain the mystery of the church and of the church age. And you see in the early portion of chapter number 13, the Word of God said the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. Great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. When you see that in typology, you see the Lord Jesus Christ leave the house of Israel. 
He goes to the seaside, and the sea represents the multitude of the Gentile nations. And the Lord Jesus begins here to teach. And you see seven different parables in Matthew chapter number 13. And there are seven different distinct periods inside the church age. And there are several things that he goes into that all tie together. And this morning as we look at the parable of the wheat and the tares, there's some things that I'll give you from this. Number one are the facts concerning the wheat and the tares. The first thing, the first fact that I look at is that there are many tares. When you go back a few verses and you see the first parable, the parable of the sower that went forth to sow seeds, and you see how as the seeds begin to come up and the seeds begin to grow, that some were choked out, some fell on stony ground, and different things that took place here. And there's one thing that you notice in this. Out of four different categories of people, out of four different categories of individuals who heard the Word of God preached in power, only one of those categories of individuals ever really honestly experienced the new birth. Now the Bible tells us something, and that precedent... There's a precedent here set in the New Testament church age that the Lord Jesus explains, not in the darkest jungles of Africa, not somewhere in the bars and the honky-tonks and the dives of this world, but inside the walls of the visible local church of those who hear the gospel preached in power, only 25% ever really, truly experienced the new birth. Seventy. 5% of those who hear the gospel preached in power will die and will go to hell. That's what your Bible teaches. Now, I know that's not popular today. I've gone to enough funerals in the last month to find out if you listen to the average Baptist preacher, everybody goes to heaven. It don't matter if there's a drunkard. It don't matter if there was a whoremonger. It don't matter what kind of lifestyle they live. Why, God's the big loving God and He understands it. Why, when it comes down to the end, everybody gets to go to heaven. That ain't what your Bible says. There's a fact, and the first fact is there are many tares. Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone that saith... Unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. If you back up in verse number 14, Jesus said, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and F-E-W, few, there be that find it. 
That's a real solemn reality this morning that when you go to the grocery store, you may as well start thinking about this. You may as well get in this mindset to understand most folks that you come in contact with down at the bank where you do your banking business, when you go to pay your bills, when you stop to buy gas, that little girl behind the counter in the convenience store, the Word of God says the vast majority of people in the world today will go to hell. I can't help but think about that when I go around people and when I sit where there's multitudes of individuals and you go in and out of different places and malls and shopping centers and you see the multitudes of people, the vast majority of them are going to hell at breakneck speed. Then there's the second thing I see, a fact about the tares. The tares can do anything wheat can do except produce good fruit. The tares here were in the field. The tares can stand in the field erect like wheat. They can look right. They can act right. They can talk right. They can spit white. They can do all of the things. As a matter of fact, the tares can even blow in the wind just like the wheat can. That tells me something about Satan this morning. The subtility of Satan is such that Judas is carrying Actually, physically in his body, Satan, Lucifer, the devil came and took residence in Judas Iscariot's body the night of the Last Supper. And the disciples that sat and took supper with him that night did not know that Judas was the one. Those disciples began to look at the Lord and say, Lord, is it me? And Satan is so subtle that he can so work on the emotions of men that he can cause tires to sway and appear as if they can even worship. I've seen this so many times in my life. I I was at a baptizing once and there was a precious young lady being baptized. And her grandmother came to the baptized, and we were in sort of a, a starchy Southern Baptist church, and they wasn't used to people shouting or anything like that, and it was just always just a calm, reverent atmosphere. And that young lady was baptized, and when she went under the water, her grandmother jumped up and went, Whoa, glory to God! Them folks didn't know what to think. Me and one of my prayer partners decided that next Tuesday night we were going to go visit this lady because she didn't come to our church and she, you know, she was just new and a visitor. And we went and talked with her and and my friend began to talk with her about her spirituality and her shouting and her granddaughter's baptizing. And that woman said, "I'm not saved." She said, "I was just happy for my granddaughter." I'm going to tell you what, this morning you can not trust your emotions. You better have something more to hold on to when this thing's over with than just your emotions because tares can do almost anything that wheat can do except produce good fruit. I mean, tares can come in and do so much. When you get to Revelation chapter number 3, every individual in the Laodicean church was lost, all of them. Jesus was standing on the outside of the door. The tares are sown while men sleep. That means that at some time, at some point, when tares came into the church, it was when preaching ceased. 
It was when praying ceased and the light going forth of the Word of God ceased. And what's happened in America today is we fill pulpits with men that have learned to execute a passage of Scripture. We fill pulpits with men that can read the Greek and the Hebrew like the morning newspaper. And they can go to sermonsrs.com and come up with three points of funny story to conclusion. And they're good with old people and they're good with young people. And they're good activities directors, but they do not preach the Word of God in power. And when that takes place, the churches become infiltrated with lost men and women and boys and girls that fall in line and just take a place in the church because there's no light. They came into the field when it was dark and while men slept. I'll tell you something else, another fact about tires. Tires this morning do not need any maintenance. The Word of God says that after the tires were sawn, the devil just left and left them alone. Do you find that strange this morning that tires inside Flint Hill Baptist Church do not need Satan to empower you to be religious? He can just leave you alone because man in his natural being, Brother Jesse, is inherently religious. You better understand this morning there are three natural wills in a human being. Number one is the will to live. Number two is the will to procreate. And number three is the will to worship. Not necessarily to worship God, but just to worship. Then I'll tell you something about the field. The tares lived in the field among the wheat. And the dispensation that we live in, the kingdom of heaven here is manifest through the local church. There's something interesting about them living in the field. Tares are not ordinary sinners. Ordinary sinners this morning are probably at home watching television. Ordinary sinners this morning may be somewhere sobering up from a drunken stupor. Ordinary sinners this morning may be somewhere seeking some worldly pleasure. But tares are not ordinary sinners. Tares are inside the walls of the local church. And God called them children of the devil. He told the Pharisees, the religious crowd, ye are of your father the devil. You will not find in Scripture anywhere where God calls an ordinary sinner a child of the devil. But those who are called children of Satan in the Word of God are those who stand in the field alongside the wheat and try to make themselves fit in as if they are wheat. And as a matter of fact, I don't have time to go there this morning. They will have a special place in hell. But you will not be able this morning to get away from the fact that this Bible teaches that folks who sit in Flint Hill Baptist Church and say no to the Holy Ghost of God, this Bible teaches will have a greater degree of punishment in hell than folks that are sitting at home this morning eating oatmeal and watching television. And then there's the fruit. Matthew chapter number 7 verse 15 The Word of God says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And ye shall know them by their fruits. 
Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree, listen to this, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. Now, this crowd that likes to try to convince you that they're just as saved as anybody, but yet they don't need to come to church, the Word of God said that a good tree will bring forth good fruit. That's what your Bible says. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Listen to what your Bible says. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Not to go to heaven, not to go to hell, but to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That Word of God says that when you get born again of the Spirit of God, God begins to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. And if you're really saved, you won't be perfect. You will mess up, and there'll be some times you'll find yourself in the ditch. But if you're saved, God has begun a work in you that will conform you and make you look, act, and be like Jesus Christ. There's something that this fruit of tares does. Tares breed frustration. Because tares can never produce good fruit. Listen to this this morning. Stay with me right here. 2 Timothy 3, 5. Speaking of religious people in the last days. That's the context. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the Word of God says, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no farther, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men. There's four things I see in that verse of Scripture, that passage this morning, about the frustration of a tire. Number one, they are religious. Tires this morning are so religious. The Word of God says, number two, they can never know the truth. They're ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge. And that means experimental knowledge of the real truth. The Word of God teaches that folks will be in the church. They'll be around the Word of God. They'll be exposed to the Word of God. They'll handle the Word of God. They may be preachers. They may be teachers. They may be any office or position in the church. The Word of God says they'll be close to this Word. 
They'll try to eat this word and absorb this word and saturate themselves with this word, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How many folks sit in this building this morning and you can fit in with everybody else in this building? The Word of God said reprobate concerning the faith. The word reprobate means useless and worthless. The Word of God says their folly will be made manifest unto all men. Jesus said, leave the tares with the wheat and let him separate them. There are two distinct reasons I find in Scripture why Jesus said, let the tares grow with the wheat. Number one is this morning, first of all, I'm not the Holy Ghost. I don't always know who's saved and who's lost. A lot of times I do, but not always. And you can fool the preacher, and you can fool everybody around you. But if this morning that I began to stand up, folks, that I was settled in my heart by the witness of the Holy Ghost were tares or even wolves that sat in this church, if I began to stand them up one by one and call them what they are, it would confuse new converts. Because they wouldn't understand and number two, God leaves them in place so that when you get saved, you listen. He that hath ears, let him hear. God leaves them in place so that when you really do get saved and God opens your eyes, God will let you see things you never saw before. And suddenly people you used to think were spiritual giants, you back up and say, my soul, they don't even know God. By spirit revelation, God will reveal. He'll show things to you. But I'll tell you, when I get to looking around, I see things, Miss Lloyd, that absolutely causes me to tremble when I see how deceived people are. And I'm going to tell you, not just that folks are deceived, they're deceivers. And they can pull away followings and have people believe in their spiritual giants and they don't even know God. And the Word of God said, just leave them alone. And Jesus said, make them manifest when the time was right. There's something else that's a fruit of tares. Some tares produce a bitter fruit. There's a word, emetic. You're probably familiar with that word. Some of you, the word emetic means to produce violent vomiting. Revelation 3.16, Jesus told the church at Laodicea, so then because thou art lukewarm, Neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That word spew means to vomit. Listen to Matthew thirteen twenty. He that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word. And anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, has no Holy Ghost. But dureth for a while... For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because the word, by and by he is offended. In the previous verses before this parable, you see the parable of the sower. You see the one that anon with joy receiveth the word of God is the, without any shadow of a doubt, most confusing thing inside the church. 
It's someone who receives the truth of the gospel into their head, into their mind, and says, this is what I need, and this is what I want, and has a large emotional experience, slobbers and cries and stands and testifies, waves their hand and snots and says, I love God. I'm so glad God saved me. And you see them a little while later and they're blowed out. And the Word of God says, by and by, they were offended. You got your ears on? If you'll study that Greek word rendered offended, that word means scandalized. It means caught up in scandal. That means that Satan is such a deceiver of men to discourage the church, to discourage the real children of God. Satan will cause men and women to have a large emotional experience. He'll set them up and then suddenly he'll jerk the rug out from under them and make a fool out of them in front of everybody. That's what that Bible teaches. Offended, Brother Brandon scandalized. Everybody gets their eyes on praise God so and so got saved. And the devil's planted a tire in the church. Wasn't saved none of the time. And everybody gets to looking at him. And all of a sudden the devil will jerk the rug out from under. You know what I'm learning every day? I'm learning that emotions don't count for much, Brother Wesley. Because I've seen folks come to my house, Brother Jesse, Get down in the floor and squall and pray and cry. Get up and say praise. God, God save me. And where they at this morning? I ain't here. And then I've seen others, Miss Marcy, looking for the door. Didn't have a whole lot to say. Didn't shed a whole lot of tears. Didn't shout and run around the house. But they got something in their heart. They begin to do a work in them and suddenly there was a change and experience with God that brought forth new birth and they're just different and it was not about a big hoopla of an emotional experience. Hey, listen, this morning I would rather have a testimony, Brother Jody, of a changed life than I would a great big experience. Because when this thing's over with, when God goes to separate wheat and tares, your experience ain't what you're going to take to God. It's the changed life when God made you different. You see, the night I got saved, I didn't shout and hoop and holler. I just went to bed with peace. Let me ask you something about fruit. If you're beginning to wonder about this thing this morning, if you're real serious about understanding the fruit in your life, I mean, if you really want to know, I mean, how, how many of you want to live dangerously honest this morning? I mean, you won't know about the fruit in your life. Preacher Mike, could you inspect and help me out here? Preacher Mike, could you give me some insight and wisdom? I don't know if I'm saved. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm, Preacher Mike, could you help me? Let me help you. Why don't we stand your children up and ask them? They see you all the time. They live at your house. They know what you are at home. Why don't we ask them? When things ain't going right, when them four-letter words start coming back out. Let's ask you youngins about that. If you really want to live dangerous, honest this morning, why don't we go where you work and ask your co-workers and folks around you how you live? 
And when we get right down to it, why don't I just ask your husband, ma'am? Sir, why don't I just ask your wife what she think of the fruit in your life? Because Jesus said an evil tree cannot bring forth good fruit. And a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. You say, Brother Mike, but we all mess up. Sure we do. There's some times I get so messed up, I'd be ashamed for you to know how messed up I was. But you don't stay that way. First John chapter 3, verse number 6, and we're going to the house. First John chapter 3, verse number 6 says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For his purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Preacher Mike, does that Bible say that once you're saved, you can't ever sin again? That's not what that said. That said you can't commit sin. Brother Brandon, December the 5th, 1985, right here, I committed to Lori Adams. I made a commitment. That was a promise that I'm yours and you're mine and I ain't shopping for a better deal. And when a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl commits themselves to Jesus Christ and experiences the new birth, and Jesus Christ commits himself unto you, you're committed like a marriage. And the word commitment means to abide with contentment. That's why I'm still with my wife today. I abide with contentment. As a matter of fact, I'm more tickled with her today than I was the day I got married. And that's an honest fact. I love her more today than I ever did then. I was lost. To abide with contentment. Now here's the clincher. Can you be content to abide in sin? You say, Brother Mike, it bothers me when I sin. Well, why don't you quit? If it bothers you so bad, why don't you quit? Because you do have power. You have power over sin. You say, I just, I just can't, I just can't, you know, I just can't get a grip on this thing. I mean, I mean, Brother Mike, this alcohol, it's got a hold of me, and I just can't get, you get saved. God takes care of that. But Brother Mike, I've been messed up in these drugs. I've been messed up in these pills. I've been messed up in this stuff. No. You get saved. You cannot be committed to that anymore. You can't abide in contentment there anymore. You say, Brother, Brother Mike, you know, the Word of God says that the, that the tongue is poisoned like an aspen set on fire of hell. I, I just can't control my old filthy mouth. I, I, you know, I get mad and I just fly loose and I just let her fly and I can't control it. And you mean tell me you think you're saved? Born of the Spirit of God. God said you cannot commit sin. 
You cannot be content to abide in that sin. You say, Brother Mike, I'm not content with it. Well, quit. See, that's where that's what draws the line. See, God's children have power over sin. And if you can't quit sinning, you ain't saved. You've never been born of the Spirit of God. I've told you about the fruit. I'm going to tell you about the folly. The word folly means a costly, foolish undertaking having a ruinous outcome. Verse number 40 says, As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This morning, do you really have fellowship with God? Or are you just playing follow the leader? See, tires can learn to play follow the leader, Brother Jesse. They can come in church and everybody stands up and turns page 57. They can find page 57 just like everybody else can. They learn to assimilate themselves in the congregation of the righteous. And they will have a special place in hell. This morning, if God the sweet Holy Ghost reveals to you you're lost, you better do something about it. And if the Lord Jesus Christ shows you you're lost, and you do realize, you do understand this morning, that you cannot know you're lost apart from the Holy Ghost revealing that to you. But when He reveals that to you and you know it, it's a fact in your heart. God shows you you ain't right. What gets you your special place in hell is after you know you ain't right. Just keep playing along. Just keep standing in the field with the tares. You know what I'd rather see? I'd rather see somebody that's lost, finds out they ain't right with God. I'd rather see them go out somewhere and not play and not pretend than I would them just to keep coming in and acting like everything's all right when things ain't all right. Heads bowed and eyes closed.